Welcome to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders around the globe about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WMFDP and FDP Global specialize in helping insiders understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders, as well as outsiders, in partnering and building inclusive teams and organizations. I'm your host, Michael Welp, co-founder of the diversity and inclusion leadership development firm WMFDP and FDP Global, also a TEDx presenter and author of the book, Four Days to Change. Welcome to another episode of the Insider Outsider podcast. Today, we're talking about the emerging field of somatics and trauma-informed approaches as it gets integrated into DEI and um, social change and leadership development and organizations. I've got two guests today. Oni Marchbanks is a transformative leader and racial equity educator. Oni is also known as Wilma Marchbanks, brings a torch of love to social justice initiatives, inviting people to step in and speak up revealing what's previously been hidden and ignored. She embodies and teaches the power of transparent truth-telling in courageous spaces and catalyzes profound connection that sustains transformation. She's the owner of Equity by Design and co-partner of Equity Asks, an anti-racism educator and leads two community efforts with a focus on liberatory justice, race and white women at work and sisters in solidarity. She also works as a business employment specialist in the state of Oregon, is a mother of seven, grandmother to 12, poet, enjoys the spoken word poetry, inspired speaker and visionary, also loves dancing, fashion, and hosting celebrations. And our second guest, Stacey Haynes, is the co-founder of Generative Somatics, a multiracial social justice organization, bringing somatics to social and environmental justice leaders, organizations, and alliances. Stacy's also a senior teacher in the field of somatics, designs and leads programs in embodied leadership, somatics and trauma, and somatics and social justice. She's director of methodology at the Strozzi Institute, which supports development of embodied leaders. Stacy's also the founder of Generation 5, a social justice organization whose mission is to end the sexual abuse of children within five generations. Her most recent book is The Politics of Trauma, Sabbatics, Healing, and Social Justice. Excited to have my guests here today. So welcome, Oni and Stacy. I am excited to have this time to connect and dialogue and you all have experiences around bringing somatics into leadership development, DEI spaces, and also trauma-informed perspectives. Um, I'm curious, you know, what's the first thing you want to say about what's most important to you around this? I know that's a pretty open question, but what comes up in your sense right now? Well, I, you know what, I know that the work that I do mostly in DEI spaces, and of course there's some leadership development in there, but in, in the work that I do, if, if I hadn't have learned the importance of somatics, mm -hmm. what what that's all about, I, I don't know if I would still be doing the difficult work of uh, DEI and, and the um, audiences that I, that I sat with um, 
because of what I've learned to speak from my my soul, my mm. heart, my heart, not my not my head or my emotions. It's helped me tremendously to continue to show up in these spaces, um, even though there's always a little fear. Um, it's given me courage to be able to practice um, what is my what is my heart saying. Mm. Um, do I need to say anything? With I don't have to be responsive, and and I don't, and as a result, I'm not as afraid. Mm. <laughs> wow, that was a lot of amazing. So your voice, your soul has more voice. Your heart has more voice. You're less afraid, more courage. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Um. God, I feel like it's such a big question. There's so much to, to put in there, but I, um, I'll talk big picture, then I'll talk about me. Um, you know, I've been in somatics for a long time, which is really looking at, you know, embodied, sustained transformation, you know, so we can really be and act and relate differently. And um, to me, what's become really clear in kind of this parallel path of working inside of social movements and then somatics is like we embody the social conditions in which we are born and live. So it's like my values might be one way, like my values might be like being a white anti-racist, being a feminist, um, really having a deep honoring of the 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 earth and ecosystems and yet i'll still embody a power over or domination system because i've been trained into it and been absorbing it since the moment i was born and so to me i don't know how we can do dei work or how we can do social movement work without also very deeply working with what's embodied and how do we more and more align our vision, our values for liberation with what's actually embodied in us. And it's like good intention isn't enough. We know this. We know this over and over again in history. Um, It's a a deep work of transformation, both both personally and and collectively. And then within our, you know, economy and government and right, the the, the broader systems to get there. Mm. And then personally, I think similar to you, is um, there's no way I would have the capacity for this work had I not gotten in and started unearthing and transforming what was stored in my body and so on. And it gave me a lot more room to be curious, to be uncomfortable, to love, mm-hmm. to, to be afraid and just be like, cool, it's okay, I'm afraid. And just make space, you know, mm-hmm. um, to deal with my identity being threatened and then like unattaching more to identity. You know, it's like caring about love and liberation more than whatever my fixed idea of myself is. All those to me are somatic transformations. Um, So uh, I'll I'll start there. Wow. I'm just taking all that in because it's like, yeah, I'm knowing I came in in a privileged shape. And um, yeah, learning to get out of that or learning to give it up or learning how to shift into that discomfort. Yeah. Oni, what are you thinking or feeling as you hear, heard Stacy? Yeah, I, get, I was uh, relating to some of, some of what Stacy, what you were saying and 
you know, I, as we um, talk about the conditioning that we're born into, um, I remember early on that I had to reckon real quick with the, my own conditioning in mm-hmm. a society that wasn't, um, they can, you know, as a black woman, I was conditioned differently um, to believe certain things about who I am and where I can go and where I belong. And if I'm enough and all those things were messages that I received over time in the environment and the society that I grew up in. And I think that, again, that whole connection with um, learning how to uh, be embodied in a space, um, knowing that through the embodiment, you bring enough through that. If you, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but when I embrace the, um, when I embody the opportunity to be in the space, I show up differently. Um, I'm not so, I'm not, I don't feel um, so uh, distributed if that, if that makes sense, or yeah. I don't feel I have to be the all answer to everything because I've already um, did my practice of breathing and observing and feeling my feet on the floor and, and listening to what my, my body is actually saying to me, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's not saying anything that I'm feeling pretty good then something will come. Right. Mm. Yep. 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 I think, you know, the, um, you know, in the somatic lineage that I'm a part of, we really talk about these core shared needs as as people as human beings that uh we need safety we need belonging and we need dignity and if we look at social movements and obviously we need resources and resources are none of these things in a power over system are distributed with equity safety isn't distributed equitably dignity is not and belonging is not and it's so profoundly wounding Um, when it's not. But I think, you know, one of the things in looking at privilege, it's like I sit in many positions. I grew up working class. I was sexually abused as a child and I've been around a lot of intimate family violence and sexual violence. I'm white. I got a college degree. You know, it's like these multiple locations. But when I think particularly about the shaping of whiteness, because I've been... Mm -hmm. Well, I've been thinking about it for a long time, but when I think about whiteness, it feels like one of the things that got so misembodied or misconstrued is that safety, belonging, and dignity have to do with domination. Mm-hmm. And if domination is threatened or white-centeredness is threatened, white supremacy is threatened, then all of a sudden, people's safety, belonging, and dignity is threatened. And I feel like we're seeing it on steroids, like through Trump, through the insurrection at the White House. I feel like we're watching it on steroids. And, you know, what's so tender is even working class, poor working class white people who will gain so much through DEI, who will gain so much through the systems changing. Something so deep Mm -hmm. feels like is there about decentering whiteness and somehow safety and dignity and belonging is threatened when truthfully there's more freedom in 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 changing that right there's more freedom there's more safety there's more belonging when we actually move toward equity or collective liberation mm-hmm. but in, it doesn't feel that way for some people right 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 that's always baffled me though um because i mm-hmm. 
from early on, I've I know that it's uh, we together is 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 the greatest path forward. We together. I always say racism. Uh, it's not a black problem. It's a humanity problem. It's something that we need as uh, neighbors and community members and co-workers and parents and whatever we need to uh, work together on to change a a huge uh, miss in the conditioning and the the expectations in our society as it pertains to um, other groups, you know, and so mm. I, I've it, it, I've always been baffled when they when I when I've seen I've witnessed uh, people white people who think who feel threatened when we talk about equity. Um, as if they have to give up everything they own and follow me. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm not the Pied Piper. I won't lead you anywhere. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it surprises me. And I'm like, okay, so what is my message? What am I not saying? What do they not hear me saying? Uh, yeah. And I just want you to link link arms. I always call it reach. You know, that's the term I use. Mm-hmm. Just reach reach for me. Uh, let's reach for each other and link arms and and find out what is going to create sustainability in the work that needs to be done. And I'm a I without a doubt without a doubt I know somatics is the core of the sustainability of this work and what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Yeah. You know, it, what you say makes so much sense to me, including the somatics part. And then I actually have a question for you about trauma too. Um, but it's like, what gets in our viscera and our tissues and our nervous system really deeply becomes unconscious. Mm-hmm. And somatics lets us make that conscious again, right? Like, well, how, how how do I feel triggered or grabbed? What happens in my soma? And what's so interesting is like, to me, DEI work in political education is so key because we start to get distinctions about our world we didn't have. I mean, when I found, you know, third wave feminism, I was like, oh my God, there are names for my life. Right. Or, you know, when I found feminism, I, I, it just like, I just didn't know until I knew, but that deep visceral threat and those deep visceral survival strategies, if we don't touch those, it's like, we can't embody the equity. We can't embody the change because we revert back to these old strategies of, you know, that we learned a long time ago and that went really deep, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. So, generational. Exactly. Totally intergenerational. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, one thing I want to share here and Oni and, and, and Michael, you might know Prentice, but Prentice Hemphill is yeah. someone I've mm-hmm. trained with and worked with for a long time. And Prentice just started the black embodiment uh, lab mm-hmm. and is really just does such an, a beautiful job in looking at the particular shaping mm-hmm. of what happens with black folks in the U S coming, you know, coming from the history of chattel slavery mm-hmm. and the, like, we can't, we're not all shaped the same, which you already said. And it's like getting so curious about how our peoples were shaped and then what that means about how we're showing up for our moment, you know, and showing up for the, the collective future, right? That we want. Yeah. So did you say you know Prentice Hemp Hill? Yeah, Prentice is a long yeah. time. It's interesting because I was reading um Tarana Burke and Brene Brown's book, 
And, exactly. uh, and I'm the, the story that struck me the most, which I have markers in, is this uh, Prentice Hemphill. And I was reading it and I'm like, oh, she's telling my story. <laughs> she, she her story is my story and, mm. and I'm I've used many quotes, many quotes from her story. So mm. yeah. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So cool. if you see her, tell her I said hi. I will. I'll pass <laughs> it on. It's awesome. <laughs> well, one of the things that you were both talking about, I mean, the this this assumption that white folks or white men I know and my have is the zero sum game, some the assumption of if others gain, I lose, some that sort of and that, but I'm hearing that it's not enough to just challenge that mindset. It's the body that takes the shape of that mindset, or as you said earlier, Stacy, the domination. And you know, what does it take to uh, take people deeper into that space? I mean, I think about our labs being four days long with white men or other things, and other sometimes two days and. I mean, imagine that's a deeper, longer process that it takes to really get people connected. Maybe not. I'm just, I don't want to be the white guy that goes to the how-to action, but I'm just curious what it looks like, feels like a little bit more and where probably some DEI trainings are more at a surface level. Oni, you want to toss in or me? Go ahead. Um, again, I'll speak from kind of a somatics and a trauma perspective. So in somatics, we really look at that there's somatic awareness, which is the part of feeling and sensing the information that comes through our, I like to call it our somas, because mm-hmm. I think part of oppression is we actually learn to objectify the earth and objectify our own bodies. And part of somatics is de-objectifying the body, like we're living organisms you know, and we're social organisms. So somatic awareness and then somatic practices, which is what practices, what purposeful practices do we need to be in to learn mutuality, to learn interdependence, yeah, to learn some of the basics that because of oppression, a lot of us don't learn, like to consent. Like how long does it take to learn consent because of all the non-consent, right? Or to like, one of the things we do in our work is in some ways reclaim being able to declare and have vision because for anyone who's located in an oppressed position and especially multiple oppressed positions, that getting to define and declare reality gets taken away. Mm-hmm. But we see that as an embodied practice to vision and speak forth and act right toward a vision. So Somatic awareness, somatic practices, and then what we call somatic opening. And that is the uprooting of patterns that have become embodied, numbness, contraction, places we hold trauma, um, places of unbelonging or unsafety. It's like our, our mind body adapts automatically to try to survive and then stores that stuff. And unless we uproot that, new ways can't root deeply. Mm. So it's like the body mind has to also do a healing and purging mm-hmm. for then new things to get to root more deeply. So, you know, to me, <clears throat> that work can happen in a four day, but I really think that work is multiple passes at that depth. And then a practice community where we can be in conscious practice with each other mm-hmm. 
conversationally and somatically toward equity, right? And toward interdependence with the planet again, toward the things that we, we, we long for, I think. Well, thank you. Oni, is there anything you want to share and around that? No, it was it was a lot, but I think that I'm just going to sit with um, some things that I heard. I, I think I want to sit with some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the whole idea of uprooting, making space for what's new, and then just the what are we really trying to embody, as opposed to what are we trying to, um, you know, whether we're trying to shock us into awakeness or whatever. It's like no, what are we implanting? And the consciousness of the mutuality, the voice, even the joy of our connection to our roots and our culture. And I did a podcast a couple of days ago with three Latino folks in our firm. And the question I asked, what do you love most about your culture, your connection? And I got the most stunning answers. Just that embodiment of that deep love of these treasured pieces and yeah reconnecting to that as you said instead of a you know a stance of not being able to hold it mm-hmm. yeah. you you said you had a only were you going to share something no I, I you know i was reflecting on when i i believe stacy you talked about going back to uh, that place of where where the wound happened or so to speak or where the healing needs to happen and being able to individuals being able to go back to that place and come from that that place and that 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 reminded me of the um the generational trauma that I've had to address that I didn't know I didn't even know was there you know mm-hmm. and the uh behaviors and mindsets that are all generational conditioning that happened that was passed on from generation to generation um and having to come to terms with with what needs to be healed right and it wasn't easy. I, I, it wasn't a easy process. And individuals, for individuals to stop and actually um, sit with the wound or the wounds is a. Mm. It does. It to some. It doesn't seem like it's doing the work, right? I need to be busy. People need to see me. I need to have all kinds of stuff going on so they can see that I'm doing the work. When I, I believe that the real work is spending a few hours with yourself and learning these things about your, yourself so that you can be sustainable in the work. It's one of the issues I see with continued DEI work is that um, people are not sustainable, sustained in it. They often leave. And it just breaks my heart because white people have the option to leave this work and not pay it any attention. And I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not an option for me. And, I, and I, I'm like, I need you to stay. If I could be connected to all the women that I've um, talked to, throughout the years, you know, we'd have a whole little force here. <laughs> totally, totally right. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that it's like, you know, so starting about maybe 13 years ago, we started bringing somatics into social movement spaces to kind of go, how can somatics be a booster power for social justice movements, for climate justice movements? Mm-hmm. and what we found really quickly is in some ways, one of the things that was most needed were healing spaces for people. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. Like people are doing policy change work, they're doing organizing work, they're doing strategizing work, but often people within social movements do not have the resources and access to have a space to do the deep trauma healing and the intergenerational work you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then often therapists don't have politics, don't have a social analysis. Right. So it can be so confusing to go, what's a healing space that has a social analysis that's doing just what you say? What's the work you need to do to stay in? Mm -hmm. Right. And for those, you know, those of us with different privileges not to choose out because we can't. Right. Um, but I really, um, to me, I agree with you. I, I think we can't change systems without organizing and all that good work, right? Community organizing and policy change and a new economy. That's a small problem. <laughs> but, um, but also, I don't think that we can stay in social change or DEI work without having those spaces to get to do the deep healing. And then also the resilience building, because there's so much aliveness, right? And resilience that comes from this work, too. Uh -huh. I think a question I have for you is maybe, well, I want to ask you about trauma, too, but what? what gives you resilience out of it? Like what sustains you in DEI work given how long you've been doing it? And Mike, I could ask you the same question. Mm -hmm. Well, what sustains, well, it sustains me. Then, well, a few things. Um, I, I believe that I was created to, uh, for DEI work and to carry the message and the fight forward. It, it's so it's that deeply impassioned within me, um, and and I realized real quick that it's not just for me, but it's for all it's for all of us. I looked at my 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 legacy, and I and I said, you know, I've got to find my voice. And and I have to admit, in the beginning, I just I just showed up in the space, and I was so deregulated, I was a mess, but I didn't give up. I kept coming back. And then Annika and I, my my partner, who uh, I don't mm -hmm. know if you know, but Annika and Annika, she realized because she had had so much experience in somatics and mindfulness, she realized she's like, okay, Oni, look, this is what you need. This is what we got to try because I was, and then I was like, okay, I've got to try something or I'm not going to last because some mm. of the spaces I was in was just like, oh my God. And I did. And I started practicing. And I, at first I was like, what do you mean stop and breathe and drop and feel your body? Don't you know they're killing people? We need to go. <laughs> what do you mean stop? I don't when you stop. I can't stop. But then I was like, okay, I've got to do something. And I just trusted the process. And I stopped and took a breath. And I I I let people love me and I let my my circle support me. And and I took and I was open to suggestions and, and I started learning and breathing and pausing, you know. And as a result, I think that has helped me tremendously to to, to stay with it to stay with it. What sustains me, you know, I think my journey early on was, you know, wow, I know I'm a good guy, but look at all this stuff that's in me as a white guy, you know, the, the racism, the passive racism, the stuff growing up in Iowa, you know, what I grew up with and learned and even in sex, sexism too. It's like, 
I just felt, uh, I think it was a pivotal time when I was in South Africa doing that work with Outward Bound interracial team building. Uh, I felt these white guys, they're not different than me. They're the same. They're like, they're like me. They are me. <laughs> Privileged, in power, in control. Everybody else is conforming. And, you know, okay, my life's work is to work with my group. And come back, there's plenty of work in the U.S. Come back and work. And so there's a, I talked about how Nelson Mandela came out and turned to everybody with love. Somehow I felt that's, I wrote a letter to him once and told him that I'm turning to white men from a place of love. And that includes challenge and support, which is, you know, it's part of a Jewish definition of love, not always a Christian definition, but it's like, I got to love the white male part of me, even the clueless part of me in order to be able to love it and others and point it out or hold it up and stuff. And of course there's the joy of deeper real connections across difference too. But there's so much for us to gain as white men in this. We get to realize we're in a box. We get the freedom to be asked for help, to say, I'm confused, to be in our hearts more, to be able to be in the being space instead of the doing. And so I love the freedom, the liberation that I see that's possible. Um, and um, that's one of the things that sustains me. I guess it's kind of the unique thread around the, the my company, mm-hmm. that focus, but I'm sure other parts of self-care too are really important for me sustaining. Um, I was in I was uh, facilitating a workshop once with uh, with white men and we had listed a list of uh, uh, U.S. white male characteristics. I think we might have got from you, Mike, but we were we listed those things. And and then I uh, one of the uh, white male spoke up and he said he said that if you think that's a long if that's a tall order for you, just think what it means for me as a white male to have to try to live up to that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, then, and then compassion showed up in the room. Ah, yeah. Oh yeah, let's do the work. Let's work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you know, I think I'm struck also with um this count this can sound. I've had many a movement person say to me, Oh, these are soft skills. Mm. And I often think I'm like, this is the courageous stuff. <laughs> this takes a lot of courage. And I think what they're pointing to that feels important to me is that it doesn't, we've been handed such an individualistic view of healing and therapy. And that's not why we're doing this. You know, it's like deep inner transformation and then stay engaged in collective transformation. Do DEI work, do social movement work right? Engage and organize other people into the transformation. And um, that, I guess, is maybe this bridge that I'm just so curious about. I'll probably be curious for my whole life. It's like Mm -hmm. this internal transformation connected to literally how do we organize a different economy that isn't exploiting people and not is not exploiting the planet, Mm -hmm. right? These are big structural questions, but like, doing this internal work gives us more capacity for those yeah. questions and then more capacity to work effectively together too. Um, yeah. So I don't know. 
you know, it, it's not easy work. The internal work um, takes mm-hmm. courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think that some, some, sometimes it's a, it's a more of a presented as a cognitive awakening. And then there's almost like a jump and a feeling that awakens of discomfort around seeing the inequities. And then there's a desire to jump to action to sort of like make myself comfortable or other white people comfortable, you know, and it's almost, it's a performative type approach. And I think what you're both talking about is going much deeper into connecting to, I know in the last few sessions I've done, I'd really people sit into, why are you here? Why does this matter to you? And it just does a different, it's a different level how people show up and you're talking Stacy about going into shapes and really connecting into a deeper, what, what, what do we want to resource in ourselves? It's mm-hmm. exciting mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wanted to come back to you, Stacy, and ask what, what sustain, what helps you sustain? Well, I think if I, I, there's different levels to that question, but I, I think similar to Oni, if I, really my connection to spirit mm. that's my core sustaining mm-hmm. and that also feels like a visceral relationship that doesn't feel like a cognitive relationship mm-hmm. um i mean it's cognitive too because i get information but um uh there, so there's just something very deep in me and i also just feel um similarly very built for decreasing suffering and increasing harmony mm-hmm you know, increasing wholeness, decreasing suffering. And I I feel like we, oh my God, there's just so much unnecessary violence and suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, just straight up unnecessary. You know, I look at what's happening in in Palestine and Israel right now. I'm like, oh Mm -hmm. my God, can we, you know, I mean, we don't need to go into why it's all happening. We, we know why, but, um, so yep. that sustaining to me is really staying connected to what feels like my purpose. Um, and then for me, really, the things that bring me resilience are being with people that I get to love and who love me, you know, that real exchange of care. Um, yeah. Nature, you know, I grew up in a rural town of like 1,200 yeah. people in the Rockies in Colorado. And it's like, stick me back in the mountains. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> everything's okay. <laughs> or, you know, I just get yeah. resourced yeah. again. Yeah. So, and I then agree. I try to do those things on purpose, like do resilience practice on purpose mm-hmm. to keep um, yeah. resourced and present and, you know, um, like fresh, like paying attention, paying attention afresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. I know we're, we, I have another question for, for, for Oni, and I know we're kind of um, coming up on time here soon, but can you talk about kind of your trauma informed work and from your view at this point, the mm. connections between you know, trauma, DEI and change? So, let me see where I where I could start. Um, trauma informed care. I I realized that early on in these uh, workshops that I was facilitating that trauma show, trauma always showed up in in some form. Either my own trauma and then the trauma of others um, 
And at first we weren't identifying that it was it was trauma or we couldn't um, or they didn't want to hear that I'm traumatized kind of thing that that um, white supremacy is a traumatic system that we're all born into and conditioned to believe certain things. Right. And so it's it's a traumatic system altogether. And when we came into these spaces, a lot of the trauma would show up, you know, um, on from from it didn't matter if it's just the, the humanity of each other showed up because we were going deep. We were going um, we were talking about. Um, intimate, deeper issues that you don't necessarily say out loud every day at the at Sunday school, right? Because um, people don't want to talk about these things. And when 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 the trauma started to show up, I was like, "Oh, oh, Annika, we've got to we've got to go back and figure out uh, tools and resources that when we go into these shop these workshops, we can make space for the trauma." You know, um, I do. I'm not a trauma informed uh, specialist, so to speak, mm-hmm. but I I do have a background in a, in addiction studies. I was a certified addictions counselor for a while, and so that kind of goes hand in hand, trauma informed care. And mm-hmm. and I think overall, just my 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 gift, the person who I am, I'm, I'm a healer. So um, noticing trauma, noticing energy is something that comes easy for me and naturally for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just know that when it showed up, me we had to slow down. Our first thing I remember when Annika wrote "slow down," and again I was like, "But don't you get it?" You know. Yes. And, it, and then we told the group, "Slow down. We're gonna breathe. We're gonna take our time." And they were looking like we we're all <laughs> the same. And it was when we did, and we slowed down. And when something showed up, we made sure that we cared for what needed to be cared for, that yeah. we took the time so that we were all showing up in our sovereignty, we call it. No, no, no uh, uh, um, big eyes and little U's and you're so bad and you did this to me and you and no, let's how can we show up together mm. by caring for each other? Right. Mm. By taking the time to acknowledge that um, it's here. And how are we collectively going to care for it so that we can move forward? Because I want to care for what needs to be cared for because I need you to move with me because I'm going to move if you don't come. I would love to have you move alongside me and we learn together. And I'm willing to slow down. Mm. 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 I bet that really deepened things so much too, right? It did. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I so relate. I, I see this in both myself and in social movements so much about the, because there's so much suffering, let's hurry up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's so many yeah. crises, let's hurry up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, please, I've done that a thousand times and I'll probably do it a thousand more times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that piece of like when we slow down when we acknowledge and listen to sensation when we actually include that we're organisms and not machines Mm. there is so much wisdom and also i i think about often there's kind of if we give it the the right space and container there's a quality of self-healing that happens through the body but i I agree with you it doesn't happen at hyperspeed um there's something I'd love to share. So there's this practice that we do called an ally practice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we do it somatically. Um, So let me see if I can describe it. If it doesn't make sense, you tell me, but um, you know, one person or one group 
depending if you're doing in a group, but I'll just do one person, you know, stands in the middle and their two allies is just silence at first. They stand next to them. How does that feel? They stand a little farther away. Does that feel like allyship? Mm. They stand in front. Does that feel like allyship? Mm. They actually block and protect them. Does that feel like allyship? And then go behind. And then the person gets to totally have their allies stand in exactly the configuration that has their body feel allied with. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we ask is, what would you want your allies to say? Mm-hmm. And it's ranged from everything. It's ranged from we're here with you, mm-hmm. right? You're not alone to we're not going to let them get you to scanning around and going, no one's coming. Right. The person just knows when we listen to and let it come out of the body. And then we just do these rounds of the person standing exactly where they want us to as allies. And then all they do is feel and we just say what they asked us to say in exactly the words they said and let their nervous system and their whole body get the experience of being allied with. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me how rare that experience is for people, right? So it's like, we'll talk politically or even in DEI work about allying with each other. And that's so essential. We need to know how important that is. But then the visceral knowing how to be allied with, that we can actually let it in. Yeah. And knowing that we always have to ally with someone on their terms. And of course, consent to do that and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But just how how visceral it is. And um, mm. anyway, it, uh, it can just can be very healing and yeah. trust building. Right. Yeah. I felt about four layers of body armor dropped just as you were describing that exercise, my whole body just changed. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a, a group when you were describing that my heart my heart feels really tender right now because when you were describing that exercise it reminded me of a group that I formed to continue after the workshops and I offered it to them and we've been going strong for about three years and we meet mm-hmm. every third Tuesday but this group of um, small but mighty warriors when I had a rally I put on a rally in Salem and what you described is exactly what they did they they covered me and I didn't ask and they we, they, I looked at them and they looked at me and I said, yes. And I was totally protected mm-hmm. and I felt allied with, and I remember that, um, that experience and they were, they were mm-hmm. conscious and intentional about my safety mm-hmm. and they put their bodies on the line yeah. according to position mm-hmm. just in, in around me so that I was covered. And that's, that's allied. That's it. That's being allied with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. beautiful that's so beautiful i have one more piece that i've heard from some colleagues that say somatic stuff that's is that white people stuff or trauma stuff i'm just curious what your response is because i know it's much more complex than that and i that's like yeah how do you share um, back to that I get why people say that because I think in how somatics has come to be a field in the United States, 
it primarily was driven by white men, although often their teachers were people of color and women. Mm-hmm. But it became to be defined, yeah. right, and decided by by mostly heterosexual white men, few gay men thrown in there. Mm. And um, but that's not who's at their backs. And I also think because in the U.S. context of being so individualistic, somatis got really defined as for one-on-one healing. But that's not actually, the, the power of somatics is much, much wider than that. So something that we've done at Gender Somatics and then also at, at Strozzi is tell the truth about the lineage. So mm-hmm. we have this very long, you know, PowerPoint that is like, here's all the teachers behind the teachers behind the teachers. And it's such a mix of traditions that has an embodied methodology show up in the U.S. Um, somatics as a term got coined in 1972 um, in the U.S. But also body-based, body-centered healing practices are ancient cross-culturally. Mm-hmm. And I'll go right back into our own lineages and they're, they're very present. They've been interrupted because of colonization and slavery and mass migration. They've been interrupted, but they're so they're, they're present in so many traditions, but I, I sorry, I'm going to, this is one of my soapboxes for this lifetime mm-hmm. is I really want in these next 20 years, like this generation for somatics to deeply integrate a social analysis mm-hmm. for somatics to acknowledge the lineages mm-hmm. and for somatics to also shift to be seen as a, as a collective practice. Um, so that is my hope. And one of the places I, <clears throat> I put my, my voice in my work uh, because of what a powerful method it is. Mm. Thanks. One of the things that I that I hope to do whenever I'm meeting with someone and having a conversation is that I'm I'm telling a different story and I'm I'm changing the rhetoric of of just one story, right? And that whole phrase that you know semantics is a, is a white folks thing. That's a that's that's deflective, right? So that I don't have to do my own work, um, um, mm. It, you mm. know. But changing the rhetoric, it's not just for one group; it's for everybody. And I get that there is a sense of urgency in the black community, not way before now, way before pandemic, we've been fighting, doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that if we don't stop and change the story that's being told to us, then we're gonna keep living out that same story and learn to share in the in the resources that may be available to us. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of saying it's all theirs, they've had all the access, they've had all the opportunity, which may be true. But then I still think that there's a little corner in the field that you could plant and grow. And you start where you're at until we get that, until we as a people let go of that uh, generational way of thinking. We have to stop learn, stop um, just trying to merely survive and find ways to thrive. Mm. find ways in which we can tap into. I, I often say that this work that I do is, it's not just hard work, it's heart work. Mm-hmm. And, and it absolutely is. And so again, just changing the rhetoric, rhetoric having more conversations about the body embodiment mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For, for black and brown spaces. 
we, that hasn't been offered to us. That was something that you had to be afforded a privilege to engage in, mm-hmm. right? The cost of a class or the cost of, you know, whatever. So there was always a cost associated with it. But if you're surviving, trying to pay your bills, trying to eat, trying to feed your kids, um, you really don't have time to engage in something like that. But it's mm-hmm. it's a resource, I believe, that's for everyone. Definitely. And so we got to change the rhetoric of what we believe about what we have access to. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are so many more um, mixed and BIPOC-centered spaces now. Really? You know, when I look at what Prentice is doing, you know, with with generative somatics, like our teacher training was 80% BIPOC. Nice. Mm-hmm. On purpose yeah. to mm-hmm. help change the access point relevance and field. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there are a lot of folks out there now who are, very, very impressive and deeply trained teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity. It's called Bold. Um, they do incredible training work and all their work is somaticized. Somatics is integrated and embodied leadership is integrated into it. So I also feel like a lot has changed in the last 15 years and a lot more can change in the next 20. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just well, I want to do 20 years. How about two? Somatics takes time. (laughs) But I'm with you. I wish everything could happen in one year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, well, this is, it's so, there's a lovely conversation. I'm really, really appreciate meeting you and getting to just be in this depth of conversation together. Yep, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you both. I feel inspired. I feel excited. I even want to watch the rewind of this because there's so much to stimulating. So thank you both for coming and sharing. Thank you. Thank you too. Thanks for inviting us. Bye now. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Insider Outsider podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WFTP and FTP Global specialize in getting insiders to understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders as well as outsiders in building inclusive teams and organizations. Our work takes us around the globe, transforming people and companies towards a more inclusive world. For the show notes about this podcast and more about the work of WMFTP and FTP Global, visit wmfdp.com slash podcast. <laughs>